Amen. It's good to be here this morning, isn't it? Man, thanks, worship team. Thanks, Melissa. Um, that song, The Great I Am, uh, Melissa gave that to me a few weeks ago. She sent it to me, and I've been listening to it. And so, I mean, I was you know, charged up about that. But uh, how many appreciate uh, Melissa and the team? Amen. Yes, indeed. Well, praise the Lord. Have I told you lately that I love you? <laughs> Been working on that, uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning uh, as well. This morning, we are wrapping up a series, and let's go ahead and turn on the lights so you guys can see when we uh, dive into God's Word. Um, we're going to wrap up a series that's uh, been about, this is the eighth week, believe it or not, uh, on a decade of destiny, looking at the fact that as a church, we are celebrating our 10 years, uh, our first 10 years of existence uh, since 2001, and really at the end of the year, November, uh, the last Sunday in November is really our anniversary date, but knowing that we has, have 10 years behind us but also looking forward to the next 10 years of our lives as a body of believers. But in this series, we've been also encouraging not only to be a part of something that God is doing for the next 10 years, which is, which is wonderful, but also taking a real look inside and saying, okay, God, what do you have for me in the next 10 years? Uh, what do you have for my family, for my situation? And so we've been looking at some of those things. I want to take a minute or two, it might even take five or ten here, uh, to, uh, to bring you up to speed because we have some guests that are here for a first time, second or third time visit, and I want to just give you a, a, an overview of where we've been, and then we're going to wrap up on a really practical note that I think will be really powerful. Um, we've been, we started off the series talking about um, getting where you want to be, and the fact that if we want to get from here to here, it's going to take some focus, and it's going to take some attention. And so we talked that first week about determining where you are, saying, okay, taking a hard look, saying, okay, this is my reality today. And then we answer the question, where do we want to be? In the process, we want to find a promise in God's Word. And we talked about that there are over 7,000 promises in God's Word that we can take to the bank. And now every one of those promises has a premise, and we talked about that, and, and, and you'll want to get online if you weren't here that first week and uh, listen to that whole message. We talked about asking God for help, identifying barriers, creating a step-by-step plan to be patient, to get help. And then the final point that morning was to pay the price because to get from here to there takes some focus and it's going to cost us something. There's going to be a cost associated no matter what. The second week we talked about the life that God blesses. And the life that God blesses is a countercultural movement. The culture, let's say, is moving in this direction. And what God is calling us to do is to move in the exact opposite pattern. And we talked about four traps that all of us are susceptible to. Voices of doubt, tempting shortcuts along the way. We talked about delays that are, is a trap. And then our culture as a whole. And if the culture, again, is going this way, we are called to be counterculture. And so we know that God blesses when we're heading in the right direction. Then we answered the question, how can we know 
our destiny. And we looked at Esther's life. And we looked at the fact that we all have gifts. And, and we talked that morning about the, the idea that's deep inside of us that, uh, that we're praying and asking, and many of you are as well, to, to say, you know, as I look at the world, what is it in our world that doesn't just settle right within me? And there's a term or a phrase that kind of will bubble up and uh, that I'm praying that it will bubble up inside your spirit. And that phrase is, someone ought to do something about you fill in the blank. Someone ought to do something about that. And as we do that, like Esther did, we, and you start to listen to God and write it down, God will take you on a path and he will lead you and, uh, and you will know your destiny. Then we looked at some practical areas. Some financial areas. We talked about eight habits uh, that God blesses. And uh, just this weekend, I was with some people uh, that were here that Sunday. And um, as we were debriefing about this, this was a, several weeks ago, I preached this message. Um, they, were, they had some confusion. Uh, and he was, uh, the, guy, the gentleman I was talking to was saying, uh, boy, you know, it seemed like you were preaching like, uh, you know, that you wanted to get rich and kind of, you know, accumulate. And, uh, and if that was the impression, uh, at least for him, it may be your impression as well. And I just want to say this, that we do not uh, seek God's uh, hand uh, to just increase our own lives, to get rich or t- to do that. It's not about getting rich. It's about being used by God and being a channel for God to flow through us And the idea that if God can get the finances or the resources to us, will we be willing to allow those to funnel through us and to bless the kingdom? And uh, it's not about who we, uh, you know, how rich we can become or what our bank accounts will look like. It's more about who God is calling us to be. And, uh, And in that process, we talked about eight habits that God blesses that will bless your finances. And, uh, and so I hope that was a, a blessing. You can go online and listen uh, to that message again if, if, uh, if you're interested. Then we talked about our health. Oh, man, did we talk about our health. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We talked about some just real practical things that week, but also we ended that week looking at four things that God blesses uh, or they got four things that are good for your health. And those four things are not things that you're going to see in a, um, a health magazine or even your doctor is probably not going to talk about it. But we talked about trusting God is good for your health. We talked about confessing our sin is good for our health. We talked about giving generously is good for your health and then having fun. And as you look around, there's lots of empty seats. There's a bunch of people that took us to heart, <laughs> gone for spring break, and, uh, which is kind of fun. And we're, we're happy about that. And then last week, we talked not only about leaving a, a, a financial legacy, a uh, health legacy, but we talked about a spiritual legacy last week and uh, doing something that will outlast ourselves. We were created to, to invest into our world to, and our heart is, is that we would um, give of ourselves beyond ourselves so we would, will out, our uh, legacy will outlast us. So that when we die, there, there was a, a, a ripple in the pond or a wake in the pond that will go on beyond us. And we talked about the, the verse that Jesus, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And we talked about last week and we, uh, that we are to serve and we are to give, to get involved in the kingdom of God, to find our gift 
and to, to give, uh, to serve, and then also to give generously. And uh, as we do that, it's, uh, we're not just investing in today, but we're investing beyond our, beyond our lives. And so, um, and again, that will, that's already uh, or will be online um, uh, this week as well. Each of these fundamentals will help you succeed. This series was intended to, to bring a charge to us. But each of these things, we need faith. And I was, as I was reflecting on just where we've been, the Holy Spirit just kind of prompted in my spirit the, the, that we really haven't talked about a faith component uh, on any of these weeks. How many know that without faith, it's impossible, what? To please God. We know that the Bible says that those who have faith will be blessed. In fact, there's a verse in the New Testament that says, according to your faith, it will be done. And the idea is that we have a choice. God says we get to choose. I get to choose. I get to choose what God blesses in my life and how much, by how much faith I put in to certain areas. And I thought that was a pretty challenging thought for me. I want you to succeed. I want your life to be better than it has been in the past. I want your life to be blessed. In fact, uh, I, and, I want, and I want my life to count. As your pastor, I want you to know that these are things, and I've been saying this all along, these are things that are challenging me. I was recently asked, Pastor, how can I pray for you? Someone came up to me and said, hey, I, I'm, I'm kind of committed to pray for you. Um, how can I pray for you? And, I, you know, and really, and if you're interested, write this down. Uh, we, as your pastor, I want to be sharp. I want to be focused. The things that we've been talking about in the decade of destiny, it's hard work, and we realize that. And we've even talked about the fact that uh, many people will not have the discipline to come up with a plan and, and to execute a plan. But I want to be sharp and focused and to take a step-by-step plan, not only for my life personally, but as, for our body, uh, for our church as we continue to grow. And so if you ha- want to pray, um, pray in that line that God would help us um, to, to create a plan, continue to uh, craft a plan, and to execute it um, with faith, and uh, that God would be be behind that. Amen? And so that's where we've been. Amen? All right? So that took about 10 minutes. All right. I promise I won't uh, be super long today. I want to end on a real practical note. I want to end this morning talking about something that over the next 10 years, every single one of you well, except maybe Caitlin. <laughs> she probably won't have to deal with this for in the next 10 years, Clayton. But every single one, junior hires to those that are retired, okay, are going to have to wrestle with something we call work. All right? And we are called to work. And I realized that as I talked this morning about work, I realized that right now is a difficult time for many people, that there are people out of work, that there are people that are doing things that are not in their primary uh, skill set. There are people that are, that are struggling in uh, just a variety of different ways. And uh, what I'd like to do before, we, um, before I launch in this morning to, to talk about work, um, I'm just wondering um, if you would if you are out of work um, at this time in your life uh, where you are, um, you're either out of work or not working in your primary vocation, so let's say you're an engineer and, 
and you're, you know, you're cleaning toilets just to get by. So if you're out of work or not working in your primary uh, area of, of um, skill set, I want you just to stand, all right? And we're not going to embarrass you this morning, but I, I want you to just to get a picture uh, of this, okay? So we got a few here, okay? Now I want you, all right, yep, sure. Yeah, there's a few others, sure. You could stand for Jonathan. Go ahead, stand for Jonathan, because that's what we're going to do. I, um, now, I want you to think, is there someone in your life that's you know, a neighbor, a relative, that is also, that you can know, that you know is out of work or in the same situation where they're working, not in their primary skill set? And I want you to stand as well, okay? All right, and so that, that may add a few other people. Someone that's close to you, okay. Yeah, yeah, there's... We are experiencing, although the numbers this, this past uh, season, uh, I, I don't know if you saw this week, there's some positive things uh, with unemployment. Uh, our unemployment has gone down in Michigan. We're still leading the way as far as the nation, um, as far as I understand. But, uh, but there is a lot of hurting people, aren't there? And uh, when you are not working in your primary uh, uh, skill set, or if you've had a job and then have lost a job, uh, if you're on an unemployment, um, there is stress and there is uh, pain associated with that. Isn't that true? And uh, in many times, you know, you're accustomed to a certain lifestyle. And as you cut back, uh, many, many times there's not enough to meet those needs. And, uh, but I want to pray that um, not only that this message would be a blessing to, to those that are standing and those that are seated, but that we as a body would start praying and believing for miracles uh, to happen. Job openings, that if there's a, one position for 50 people, that it would go to those that are believers, okay? I don't know if that's selfish or not, but, uh, uh, but that God would bless uh, those that are trusting in the Lord. All right, amen? Amen. So would you agree with me? And let's pray and uh, stay standing. And then when I say amen, you can have a seat. All right. Lord, we understand that this season uh, in America is a very unique season, and Michigan is one of the harder hit uh, areas is re- in regard to uh, unemployment and uh, work-related issues. And God, especially on the horizon, uh, you know, with uh, the tax cuts. Uh, with Rick Snyder's plan, uh, there's, a, there's anxiety, there's uh, fear that kind of bubbles up. And Lord, we just come against any fear. Um, your, your word says to be anxious for nothing, but by everything, prayer and supplication, bring in your request. And so this morning, we are bringing a request, Lord, that you would supply the needs of your people. Lord, that you would favor those that are out of work or that are looking for uh, permanent uh, work in their area of skill. God, I pray that doors would open miraculously even this week. And God, that you would supply every need according to your riches and glory. And Lord, I pray that as we would leave here, those that are seated, um, that, have, uh, that are gainfully employed, those that, that we understand that, Lord, I pray that there would be a sense of appreciation uh, in that, but also give us a burden to come alongside those that are struggling in a unique way. 
perhaps like we've never experienced in our lives before. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, the glory for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. All right, got that one. I felt impressed to do that uh, this morning. I want to talk about work. Um, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 22, if you want to turn with me to Proverbs 22, 29, that says this. It says, do you see a man skilled in his labor? All right, so the rhetorical question. So if you see a man skilled in his labor, someone that's good at what he does, right? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. And as I talked this morning about uh, the idea that our lives, our work is important, that our skill sets are to be used for God's glory, I want to come with a challenge for each of us, whether you're a banker or a plumber or an accountant or a teacher. And I want you to not only think about what you do as an actual job, but more, why do you do it? And how do you do it? And what are you becoming as you do what you do? And I want to talk about the kind of work that God blesses. And because I think God's word really speaks to it. As I was studying this, I ran across something from a church in uh, Orange County, California. They use a little uh, acrostic, um, succeed, S-U-C-C-E-D. And I thought it fit close enough that I wanted to use that as an example. So if you're taking notes, you can kind of follow along. And uh, there are several things that we can learn from Scripture that if you want your work to be blessed, if you want your work to be uh, used for God's glory, the first thing you must do is you must start working enthusiastically. Let me explain. Right where you are today, whether... Your job is menial, or whether you're a brain surgeon, whether you're part-time, whether you're full-time, whether you hate your job, whether you're going to quit your job at the end of this week, you need to start working enthusiastically. Ecclesiastes 9.10, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It doesn't say whatever you like to do do with all your might. It's not a suggestion. It says whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. And so when you work, you need to work with zeal, with passion, with a good attitude, with enthusiasm. Now I know what some of you are saying. You're saying, you know what? You have no idea what I do for a living. Or some of you are saying, you know what I do. How could you do that with enthusiasm? Well, I saw a show two weeks ago Um, How many have ever seen that show, Undercover Boss? All right. I visit my ex-neighbor. It's kind of a long story, but uh, he moved away. He got kicked out of his house by... uh, Anyway, I still visit him. every. uh, He's 82 years old, and uh, I'm praying he comes on Easter. You you pray with me. Um, I'm going to give him an invitation tonight when I visit him. But um, he is... Uh, We watched this show, Undercover Boss, over the past several weeks. And if you think your job stinks... How many know what I'm talking about? If you watched this a couple weeks ago, uh, it was a sewage company that that cleans up sewage and makes it into fertilizer. 
And literally, this CEO got into this huge septic tank up to like here in poo. <laughs> and he's cleaning this out. And if he can do that with enthusiasm, I don't care what you do, nothing, I could not imagine a worse job. In fact, um, uh, Daryl and I, we were saying together, we were like, we are glad that we had the jobs we had. He's retired, obviously. He, he was a police officer, state police officer. And I said, you know, I am so thankful <laughs> I do what I do. But you know what? Enthusiasm, bringing enthusiasm into what we do is really a spiritual discipline. Did you realize that? In the Greek, enthusiasm, we'd break it apart, is en, which means in. And then theos is the enthusiasm part. In theos, in God. Wow. So it's not based on why you are working. It's not based on what you're doing. It's more about what, whether or not you are in God, enthusiasm or not. How do you get enthusiasm? You get in God. You take God to work. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Why don't you turn there with me as we talk about this? Because it's interesting that our job oftentimes is a test. <laughs> and God is watching, and he's watching our attitude. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. A great, great verse. If I can find it. Romans 12, not verse 1, verse 11. I'm sorry. It says, Never be lacking in zeal. That word zeal there, you could replace it with enthusiasm. Never be lacking in enthusiasm, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We are serving the Lord, and that leads to the second point, that I, if you're going to have your work blessed, you must understand who you are working for. When you understand who you're working for, it will turn your attitude around. Your boss, your board, your fill-in-the-blank is not your Lord. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, a verse here. We'll, uh, we'll look at this a couple times this morning. Chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Not, or, um, not for men, but as working for the Lord. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And then listen to this. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you get up out of bed and you head to work, or you work from home, or you're working wherever, you are serving the Lord. And as if you can understand that, it will help you with your enthusiasm. How many believe that it's easier to work with enthusiasm when your mindset is that you're serving God? It doesn't matter if you're cleaning dishes, or accounting, or in surgery, or teaching kids all day long. You can do it. You can bring joy and enthusiasm into what you do. And what happens is when you understand who you're working for, really, and we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, your work becomes your worship. Your work becomes your worship. My mom's favorite verse mentioned this a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 10.31, says, no matter what you do, 
whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You must understand who you're working for. The C, the first C, stands for this, that I must, you must concentrate on building your character. You must concentrate on building your character. You say, why? (laughs) Well, because your character is more important than your career. You are not going to take your career with you to heaven. Some of you wish you could because you love what you do, and that's understandable. Others of you say, thank the Lord. (laughs) I don't have to take this job to heaven. You know what? Work is a place that oftentimes can build character. Does that, does that make sense? Romans chapter 5, if you turn with me there, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, listen to what it says, talking about some trials, some problems that maybe you experience with work. It says, not only so, but we are also rejoicing in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. We understand that as we are put to the fire, as we are tested, our character will be revealed, good or bad. In work, many times, is the place where we experience some trial. What kind of trials do we face at work? Well, uh, we work with people, don't we? (laughs) Have you ever thought, man, these people are jerks, or these people irritate me, or why do people have to be so rude, or maybe there's anger, or pride, or other relational problems that emerge in our work. Anyone relate to that ever before? (laughs) Yeah, I have. But God wants to use those people, those situations, the stress, the trials, to build us. And I got a little prescription of my own that I believe that when you experience trials and trouble, that we should be thanking God in those circumstances for two reasons. You say, that doesn't sound right. I think, and you know, help me out. If you, if you disagree, we can talk about it after. But, um, <laughs> but if you're, you know, let's say you're facing trials that, you know, are just insurmountable. If you start to thank God for that, how many realize where those trials and those tribulations often come from? From the enemy, right? And if you start to thank God every time there's a trial that comes, how many know Satan is going to stop sending so many trials? Man, I send trials and they just keep on thanking the Lord. Let's just leave him alone. I think that's part of it. That's the first side of the sword. The second side of the sword is when we thank God What he does, he is building us. And there is something that happens inside of us. So not only does Satan, he will stop, but God will say, well done. It's a trial. And we look at that verse, that that our trials, our sufferings produce perseverance. Our perseverance, character, and our character, hope. And that's what God wants to do. He is creating us. He's building our character. The next C stands for this. If you want the the work that God blesses in your life, you must care about those that you work with. This is important. This is so important. Because as you start to care for those that are around you, God will favor you 
in your work. Again, there are irritable people. There are people that you are disagreeable with, people that are just ugly and mean at times. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure I could care for people at my work or in my neighborhood or wherever. But you know what? It's all a test. Will you love your neighbor? I've been working, like I said, on saying, I love you. And uh, it's something that, that God has impressed on my heart that, that I, know, I know that people want to be loved. And, uh, and I, as much as I, I love, loved our church, um, it took me a long time before I started to tell people that I loved them. And uh, it was something inside of me that I needed to work on. It, it took, it, I, I'd been kind of burned in the past and, and it had too much to get into, but it, that I just didn't say that. And uh, several months ago, I preached about that and encouraged you to be saying, I love you. But there's something about caring for the people that you work with that will set you apart. Why is it important? Because it's a test. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything in love. Do everything in love. And so we care through a kind word, through a smile, through a genuine compliment, through a word of encouragement, maybe just a listening ear. We start to care for those around us. And if you really care, you will start to stand out in your work. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, listen to what it says in verse 2. It says, Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Everyone just say love. love. We are called to love. We are called to care, to be love to others. Amen? Amen. E. I must exceed what is expected of me if God is going to bless the work of my hands. This is pretty important as well. God is more interested in how you do what you do than what you do. If you're a truck driver or a cook or an attorney, it doesn't matter. You need to do more than what's the minimum required. Don't just get by, don't be average, but instead we are called to exceed expectations. And as we do that in our work, that's what God blesses. Colossians 3.23, which we already read, listen to what it says in the Message Bible, the way it says it's really neat. It says servants or employees or people that own their business, doesn't matter, it says do what you're told to do by your earthly masters, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. It says, do your best. Do your best work. If you've ever had a kid in school, uh, how many times do you tell them, do your best work? My son is a little weasel, uh, Logan. He's not here this morning, otherwise I'd bring him up here, and you know he's just a, adorable if you haven't met him. Recently, we understood at his uh, conference that he is not applying his full, to his, pull, his full potential. He is not doing, he's doing just what it takes to get by, and that's it. And that concerned his teacher, and it concerns us. What's interesting is we've seen a pattern of this. I don't know if it's just human nature or maybe his personality, I don't know. 
But there's a pattern, and so we're working on that. But just recently, he's got a piano recital coming up in another month. And um, uh, about three months ago, he got this piece, and, uh, and he sat down and he memorized it like in the first three weeks and could play it almost perfectly at that time. And we were all proud of him, and we were thinking, boy, this is great. In the back of our minds, we're thinking, Mrs. DeCuckoo is going to give you another piece. We didn't really tell him that. But Logan went to practice, and he messed up on purpose so he wouldn't get a harder piece. Yeah! Yeah! And we said, this kid is bright beyond his years. (laughs) And so we've been encouraging, not only with piano, but with school and maybe other areas, to do his best work. Now, what's interesting is that we are all called to do our best work. Whatever our hand finds to do, do it with all our might. But you know what I've realized is that our culture, especially in America, we are okay with mediocre many times. How many have ever bought something and you thought, man, this is shoddy workmanship? Or, boy, you go somewhere and you experience poor service, right? Or you go to somewhere and and you, you buy something with inferior quality. Many Americans, I'll say, just want to get by. They put in their time. They cut corners to cut costs or they're just lazy. And so the good news for us as believers is that it's easy to stand out. (laughs) To do more than expected, when you do that, you look like a genius at work. To some. Other people will be ticked off. And I've told the story about my dad with the union. My dad would work as unto the Lord. And they would say, Dan, stop working so hard. We need the overtime on Saturday. My dad would say, I'm not working for Ford Motor Company. I work as unto the Lord. And he told me that story over and over. And that's our call, to do our best. As Christians, how many would agree that that we should have a reputation for quality work? Matthew 5, 41 tells a story about Jesus encouraging us to go the extra mile. There are certain companies that come to my mind And maybe certain companies that would come to your mind that have this extra mile mentality. Uh, There's a story, Nordstrom uh, is known for their their quality, known for their service. Uh, I wish there was a Nordstrom closer. Um, But they... Back in the early days of Nordstrom, they wanted to be set apart from any other uh, department store. And uh, they, their return policy uh, at the early stages, they were known that they would return anything. And this guy from off the streets, a hobo, this is, uh, this is a documented story, rolled in a used tire and said, I'd like to return this tire. And they actually, they, they were like, well, we don't really sell tires. He said, no, I bought it here. I know I did. And they ended up giving him some money for that tire, going the extra mile. They had never sold tires. I don't think they ever have uh, ever since. But interesting story. Just recently, Jessica and I, we got to experience some great service with an online company. How many of you have heard of Zappos.com? Yeah, some of you guys maybe used it. Um, we heard that, it, you know, I had listened to a, a leadership message and the CEO was one of the speakers from Zappos, and so it kind of turned us on to it. And um, one of the things they had said is that they want to over-deliver. 
They want to impress their customers and to keep their customers coming back. And, uh, and so Jessica had ordered a pair of shoes, and I told Jessica, I was like, hey, you should try and uh, you know, just do it. They return stuff for free. It's kind of a big deal. But, um, but what I didn't tell Jessica is that when you buy from Zappos, many times they will take a normal three- to five-day delivery, and they'll overnight it for no ch- extra charge. How many women would love, if you bought a pair of shoes, you're expecting it to come in three to five days to get it the next day? It's going to make an impression. It's great service. Chick-fil-A, in their, uh, in their service manual, as they train their employees, they have something that's called SMS, Second Mile Service. And if you know the story of Chick-fil-A, Christian company, Truett Cathy was the founder, uh, said, you know what, we're going to honor God, we're going to be closed on Sundays, and I don't care where you go in America, there is not a Chick-fil-A open on Sundays. In the airports, uh, anywhere across America, it's one of their rules. And they make more money on six days than Burger King does in seven days. But they have this thing they called second mile service. Now, Truett Cathy is no longer with the company. He's, his son, uh, there's two sons that run it. One of the sons' name is Dan Cathy, and, uh, and he models this second mile service. There's a pastor I was listening to um, uh, recently on a podcast that was talking about Dan, uh, Dan uh, Kathy, and they were out at a different restaurant, not a Chick-fil-A. They ended up going to the restroom together, and Dan, at someone else's restaurant, after he had used the re- restroom, was wiping off the counter, and the pastor that was with him was like, what are you doing? He says, hey, we leave things better than when we got here. And even in his personal life, going the second mile. And I'll tell you, church, if you go the second mile at your work, God will bless that. He will bless your work. The next E stands for this. I must expand my skills. If you want God to bless you in your work, you got to continually be learning. Turn with me to uh, Ecclesiastes 10.10. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Listen to what it says. It says, If an axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. When we are skilled, when we expand our skills, it will bring success in our work. And so our word for those that are graduating soon, you don't stop learning after graduation. For those that have been out for some time, you never stop growing, never stop learning. There are so many resources and books and and CDs and podcasts and online courses, classes, uh, all these things that are intended to keep us sharp. Just recently, I have committed to, to go once a month to Central Bible College for a day they call a praxis, a P-R-A-X-X-I-S. I don't know what that is. I've never seen it before. But anyway, I've been going for the past several months. On my day off, tomorrow morning, I'll be in Grand, uh, Grand Rapids at their CBC location, continuing to sharpen my skills. 
It's on my own cost. It's, it's something I want to do because I want to be sharp. I want to be used by God in powerful ways. We also, as a church, we offer Connect 301. Let me give a quick uh, plug. The second Tuesday uh, of the month, um, we will feed you. We will uh, have child care for your kids. And we want to invest in our leaders and potential leaders. And it's an important part of the month for us to come together as individuals, and to be sharpening our acts. And so you're invited. You don't have to be serving in any capacity. You can come and, uh, and join us, and that's a great, great way. You know what? I just want to say I'm proud of you that by coming to church, you're sharpening the acts. You realize that? Uh, before service, someone was talking about taking notes, and they appreciated the PowerPoint, which uh, you guys do a good job back there. You have my hand. We, we've been doing that. But when you're here, if you're paying attention, you're sharpening your axe. You're not going to get everything, but, uh, but take a nugget and apply it. See, I want you to succeed. And if you're going to succeed, you need to continue to learn. You need to continue to learn. Proverbs 19.8 uh, says this, Do yourself a favor and learn all you can. Then remember what you learn, and you will prosper. You will prosper. And the last point, as we bring this whole decade of destiny, wrap it up. How do you succeed at work? You must dedicate your work to God, to be used for God's purpose. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your ways to the Lord and your plans will succeed. If you want to be successful, you commit your ways to the Lord. And as your pastor, I long for the day where we will experience promotion together. We will experience advancement, blessings beyond belief together as we serve as unto the Lord. It's one thing to grow spiritually, which is, is wonderful, but we can grow in our work as well. How do you know when you've committed your plans or your work to the Lord? Have you ever wondered? Say, well, I'd like to do that. I'd like to, Proverbs 16, 3, I'd like to take that to heart. Whatever my plans, you know, um, commit my ways to the Lord and my plans will succeed. That sounds good. Well, how do you know if that's a reality for you in your life? Well, you got to answer with a, with a response like this. Does God get to be involved in your decisions at work? Is God telling you what to do in your work? Is he the chairman of the board, so to speak? And then ultimately, does God get the glory for the work that you do? These are challenging thoughts, challenging for me. And I'm not sure where these, these particular truths challenge you. Maybe you need some enthusiasm in what you're doing. Maybe you need to work for the Lord or dedicate your, your work to the Lord. Maybe it's your character. Maybe you're you something different at home than you are at the office. Maybe your care for others needs to increase. Maybe it's going that second mile uh, in whatever you do. Or maybe it's the learning aspect. Whatever it is, whatever, wherever God is challenging you, take, a, take that nugget 
write it down and apply it to your work. And your work will succeed. Your plans will succeed. Now, as we close, as I was dreaming and uh, just praying and asking God how we wanted to close this series, I was imagining in my mind what it would be like if 100% of those that would be a regular attenders at the Gateway Church took these success uh, uh, principles and, and put them to heart. What would that look like? What would that look like if, if you're retired and the work that you do, even though you may not be paid at this point, but you're still applying these principles of enthusiasm and working as unto the Lord and all these things across the board, learning and, and sharpening ourselves. What would it look like if we as a body of believers, a community of believers, started to practice and started to give our work the attention that God would desire? if we all committed to success in our work. And the word that came to my mind, it really takes us back to our vision statement, is that there would be an impact. Do you agree? There would be impact in our personal lives. There would be impact in our families. The impact would trickle to our coworkers. It would trickle to the lakeshore, to our community. And ultimately, because of our work, it would trickle to our world. It would all be for God's glory. And I realize that that may be somewhat idealistic in thought, that, boy, everyone's working is unto the Lord. Everyone's doing their best work. And when they're asked, why do you work so hard? Or why do you, why, you know, how did you get that promotion? Or all these things. And we would all say it's all for God's glory. The reality of that would be incredible, wouldn't it? That God would bless, that he would be blessing. And ultimately, it is for his glory. This morning, before we leave, I want us to take a hard look, saying, okay, how have I been doing in my work? And there may be some that need to ask for forgiveness. Saying, God, I'm, I've been lazy, I've been selfish. But before we leave, for those that are interested... We're going to stand together here in a minute and we're going to commit to Proverbs 16, 3. We're going to commit our ways to the Lord. And really, which encompasses really the whole idea of decade of destiny. And we're going to stand together and we're going to trust that our plans will succeed. Our plans individually, for our family, for our work, for our church, for our community, for the world. And it's all for God's glory. Amen? Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're interested in committing your ways to the Lord in every area. But before we do that, I want to uh, take a moment and encourage maybe those that have found yourself here today away from God, that where you are not... Uh, you've not accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and want to give that opportunity. Or maybe you're away from God. Maybe you've committed your life to the Lord at one point and you feel far from God. This is an opportunity to get back in close proximity with, with the Lord 
and let him just minister and uh, help him to help you in, in all the areas of your lives. So with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, uh, first of all, let me ask this. If you have asked Jesus into your heart and you know without a shadow of a doubt that today you are saved, I just want you just to raise your hand right where you are. If you know for sure. Okay, yeah. All right, you can put your hands down. Good. A lot of people raise their hands, which is wonderful. But maybe there was someone here that didn't raise your hand. Or maybe you raised your hand just because you didn't want to be singled out. Uh, but you know deep down inside that you need to get some things right with the Lord. We want to extend that opportunity to you. If that's you, I want you just to slip up your hand. If you're saying, yeah, I want to come back to the Lord, or I need uh, Jesus to be my Savior. Yes, one young man, anyone else, you can put your hand down. Anyone else this morning saying, yep, I feel far away from God at this moment. Who else would respond in that way? Yeah, praise the Lord. I'm not going to embarrass this young man. Um, I know him. Many of you know him. Uh, and my, my heart for all of us is that we understand that as soon as we turn to God, we call on the name of Jesus, his promise is that we're saved, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, and this morning, I just want to encourage every one of us just to call on the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, save me. In fact, let's just say that together. Jesus, save me. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse my heart. Put me on the right path. In Jesus' name, amen.